0: I play football in school. And when I'm on the football field, I know that every line means something. The 50-yard line shows you when you're in the other team's territory. The yard markers tell you how far you are from the end zone and the sidelines tell you when you're out of bounds. It's obvious where the lines are in football, but in life, it's not so clear. Like, I know I need limits, but sometimes I feel like they only exist to box me in or keep me from having fun. And how come the rules are different for me and for my friends. So if right and wrong really matter, then I need to know what are the boundaries? All right, well welcome everybody to Eaglebrook Church. It's great to have you with us today. If this is your very first time, a special welcome to you. I was visiting a church out of state a few weeks ago and I was so out of sorts. I had never been to this church before and so I could not figure out how do I check my kids in? Where am I supposed to go? Then twice during the message, the speaker had us turn to someone next to us that we didn't know and say something like, you looking good today, <laughs> which for an introvert like me was painfully awkward. And so all that to say, I understand coming to church for the first time can feel a little bit strange, but it does get more familiar each time that you come. And I can promise you that I won't make you turn to your neighbor and say, you look good today or say anything for that matter, so you can just sit back and relax. We are beginning a new series today called Four Questions Every Kid Needs Answered. Your kids will never ask you these four questions out loud. Never. But deep down inside, these are the four that they are going to want to be answered. Now, this series is predominantly about parenting. So if you're a parent, future parent, grandparent, you're gonna be dialed in to this But even if you're none of those things, I still think you're going to get a lot out of this series because each of us have asked these four questions when we were kids. And how your parents answered them partially shapes who you are today. My hope for some of you is that God would use this series to heal some of the wounds and the baggage that you may still carry with you today. Before we begin, I want you to know that I am not a parenting expert I discovered that I wasn't a parenting expert when I had kids. When I was in my 20s, I would see a kid misbehaving in public, and I would think, oh, my kid is never going to do that. These days, I see a kid misbehaving in public, and I think, oh, my kid's done that. I mean, parenting is humbling. My wife and I have gotten to church and realized that one or more of our four kids doesn't have their shoes on, has berry stains all over their face or somehow forgot their jacket at home in the middle of January. I have taken the walk of shame out of numerous restaurants holding on to a screaming toddler. In fact, just last week, our small group was talking about how they pray with their kids. And someone in our small group said, we always hold hands at the dinner table when we pray. I thought, well, that seems like kind of a cool idea. We tried it. My daughter refused to hold anyone's hand. Finally, we said, fine, we're going to hold hands and pray without you then. One of my sons said in a really snarky tone, she's out of the family. (laughs) My daughter got upset. I got upset. One of my other kids just started eating and bagged the whole thing. (laughs) It was a total disaster. So I am not a parenting expert, but hopefully we can learn from God's word together. All right, with that, here is the first question of this series. Where are the boundaries? From the age of two until at least the age of 18, your son or daughter, your grandson or granddaughter, is going to be asking you the question, where are the boundaries? When my son Hudson was two years old, we were eating at an Uno's restaurant in Wisconsin. And as we got up to leave, my wife reached out to grab onto Hudson's hand And he said his favorite word at that time, no. Sarah tried to explain to him. She said, we're going into the parking lot. There's cars. It's dangerous. You need to hold my hand. And Hudson said, no. So Sarah said, fine, and gave me the you take over look (laughs) and started heading towards the door. And so, of course, Hudson starts running after her, screaming, hold hand, hold hand. I said, Hudson, I'll hold your hand. He didn't want to hold my hand. At first, I tried to reason with him. I said, Mom's hand is overrated. It's soft. It smells like Bath and Body Works. You don't want that. I said, my hand probably still has pizza sauce caked onto it. How about it? That didn't work. I then tried to bribe him. I said, Hudson, if you'll hold my hand, I'll give you a treat when we get to the car. I was bluffing. I didn't have a treat in the car. That's what kids do to you. They make you do crazy stuff. I straight out lied to a two-year-old's face. (laughs) That didn't work either. He must have known I was bluffing. I then resorted to threatening him. I said, Hudson, you know your little favorite stuffed animal named 9 Night Boy? (laughs) I said, if you ever want to see him alive again, You will hold my hand out of this restaurant. Nothing worked. Finally, I had to pick him up and take the walk of shame out of the restaurant. When we got to our car, I had to hold Hudson down just to get him strapped into his car seat. And then when we got out onto the freeway, somehow Hudson reached over and opened up his door. On the freeway. And so I'm driving down the freeway, reaching over my shoulder. I'm like, you better shut that door right now. <laughs> Trying to grab him or the door. I didn't care. Anything i get my hands on at that point. Now, Hudson never verbalized these words. But basically, what he was asking was, where are the boundaries? These days, Hudson is seven years old. And he's one of the most sweet, well-behaved kids I have ever met. But still, there are times when it's like, he's not listening to a word I'm saying. I'll say, go upstairs, brush your teeth, get your jammies on. I'll come upstairs, and he'll be lying on his back in the hallway, walking his legs up the wall. Hudson, what are you you doing? Have you brushed your teeth? No, sorry about that. (laughs) Then he'll go into his room. Does he have his jammies on? No, he's sitting on the floor looking at his baseball cards. And this is where a lot of parents live. You ask your kids to do something once, twice, three times, Finally, you just yell, get your jammies on. And then you feel guilty for yelling and wonder why you're such a bad parent. Parents of teenagers will tell you that this doesn't get any easier. Mow the lawn, have you done your homework, take a shower, please take a shower. (laughs) And that's just the little stuff. I mean, what happens when you find out ...that your son or daughter has been underage drinking? What do you do when you find out that they've been lying to you about something? Or that they've been texting someone that they're not allowed to text? What about then? From the age of two until at least the age of 18... ...your son or daughter is going to be asking you the question... ...where are the boundaries? And as a parent, you've got to get that one right... And here's why. Every child has two primary needs, love and limits. They need to know that they are loved no matter what, and they need to know that they can't get whatever they want whenever they want it. There's limits. The art of parenting is to show over-the-top, unconditional love, while at the same time establishing limits that will help raise a responsible man or woman of God. So let me ask you, if I were to take a poll across our church and I asked you, which one of those two are you better at, love or limits, what would you say? I think about 50 years ago, most parents would have said limits. I talk to grown adults all the time who will tell me, I never really heard my dad say the words, I love you, but I knew where the line was and I didn't dare cross it. Now, I'm not necessarily advocating that we go back to that by any means. But family experts today believe that the pendulum has swung to the other extreme. Look at what Marcia Moritz, a family expert, has to say about this. She says, Stop trying to be your kid's best friend. Rather, be what they need most. And what they need is love-giving, limit-setting parents. Let them make friends with kids their own age. You step up and be the parent. Your son or daughter doesn't need another friend. They need a parent who loves them enough to establish some limits. Ephesians 6 puts it this way. It says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. This is the only commandment in the Bible specifically directed towards children. There are all kinds of commandments that are directed towards leaders, husbands, wives, but this is the only one directed specifically towards children. Do you see what that means? It means, parents, that one of our main responsibilities is to teach our kids obedience. Not in an over-the-top, domineering kind of way, but in a loving, gentle, I-want-the-very-best-for-you kind of way. This is critical. If our kids can't learn to obey us as their parents, how will they ever learn to obey God? If they can't learn to listen to your voice as their parent, how will they ever learn to listen to God's voice? But that's tricky because our kids don't always want to listen to our voice, do they? Have you noticed this? They have a will of their own. Some of them have a stronger will than others do, but there's something inside every single kid that wants to push the limits. Proverbs 22 says this. It says, a youngster's heart is filled with foolishness. But discipline will drive it away. If you ever meet an adult who wasn't disciplined much as a kid, most likely that will be a foolish adult. 1 Kings 1.6 says this about King David. It says, King David never disciplined his son Adonijah at any time. What an indictment on a parent. Never disciplined his son Adonijah at any time, even by asking, What are you doing? That didn't end well for David or Adonijah. Adonijah never learned to obey his father, and therefore he never learned to obey God. His life ended with him being executed for trying to rebel against the king. The only way to drive foolishness out of a child's heart is through discipline. So, how do you effectively discipline your kids? So that they will know what the boundaries are. That's the question that I wanna raise today. I see three main ways. The first one is this model the behavior that you want to see. No one has more potential to influence your son or daughter than you do. Let me say that again. No one, not Hollywood, not their peers, not popular culture, not even a teacher or a coach, has more potential to influence your child than you do as their parent. That is a huge responsibility. It's also a little bit scary. I took my son Micah to a Timberwolves game at the beginning of March, and they were playing the Los Angeles Clippers that night. And the Clippers have a power forward named Spencer Hawes, and Spencer was not having a good night. I think he ended up shooting like three for 15 for the game. But at one point, Spencer missed like three shots in a row within a span of a minute and a half. And so we were sitting close enough to the court to where players could potentially hear us if we yelled something out to them. And as Spencer Haas came back down the court, I couldn't help myself. I mockingly yelled out, Spencer, keep shooting! You're going to win the game for the Wolves, or something like that. And the moment it came out of my mouth, my son Micah turned to me, and he goes, Dad? I said, what? He said, he's a human being. (laughs) He has feelings too, you know? And I hear some of you are like, oh, my first reaction was, you know, on you. But then I started to think about it and I thought, you know what, he's right. Do I want him talking to his friends in gym class like that? Do I want him talking to his opponents in traveling basketball like that? I don't. But if I don't want to see that behavior in him, then I need to model that behavior in myself. To make matters worse, the Timberwolves lost that night. And mock, uh, Micah mockingly and kiddingly told me the whole way home that God punished me <laughs> for making fun of Spencer Hawes. It is hard to discipline your son or daughter for lying when you lie. It is hard to discipline your kid for yelling when you have an explosive temper and can't control your words. It's hard to tell your child not to fight with their siblings when you can't get along with anyone most of the time. If you want to take back the moral authority in your home, you need to begin to model the kind of behavior that you want to see. Look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. He says this, I became your father in Christ when I preached the good news to you. So he's talking about being a spiritual father in Christ here, But I think the same principle applies to physical fathers and mothers as well. He says this, So I ask you, follow my example and do as I do. Behavior is more caught than it is taught. It is more seen than it is heard. Your child is going to be watching your example. They are going to pick up on the kind of music you listen to, the TV shows and movies that you watch. They are going to use the same language that you use. Maybe not around you, but they're going to use it. They will treat waitresses, policemen, teachers, and people of other ethnicities the same way that you treat them. They will even notice how you speak to them. In his book, Grace-Based Parenting, author Timothy Kimmel says this. He says, The best way to ensure that our children will speak respectfully is to make sure that's how we speak to them. Parents are dreaming if they think they can bark and bite at their kids and then get anything less in return. He says, I've been on the inside of Christian families where I've heard parents speak more harshly to children who have committed minor infractions than judges speak to serial killers when they are reading them their verdict. Now, I have to be honest with you. I have yelled at or spoken harshly to my kids over things like spilling, making messes, making me late by not getting in the car on time, and countless other minor infractions. Maybe you have as well. So what should we do as parents or as grandparents? I know only one answer to this. Ask our kids to forgive us. You are not going to be the perfect parent. You are not Jesus Christ. You are never going to be able to fully model the behavior that you want to see, but you can humbly confess that. You can go before your kids and go, you know what, I think I spoke too harshly to you back there. Will you please forgive me for that? And notice what that does it models the kind of behavior that you want to see. You want your kids to be able to confess their sin and their mistakes. You want them to be humble enough to ask another person to forgive them. But you have to model that. Your kids will be far more attracted to the life that you lead than the speeches that you give. got to model the behavior. Second way to effectively discipline is to discipline in love. God disciplines us. And so we have the perfect model for how we ought to do this. Look what the Bible says in Hebrews 12 says, don't ignore it when the Lord disciplines you, and don't be discouraged when he corrects you, for the Lord disciplines those that he loves. God does not discipline us because he's on a power trip or because he's a control freak. He disciplines us because he loves us. Years ago, they did a study of juvenile delinquents, and in it, they asked them this question. They said, what could your parents have done to show you more love? I think most of us would expect they would say, well, hug me more, tell me they love me more. Here was their number one answer. I wish my parents would have disciplined me more. That would have shown me that they loved me. Parents who don't care or who are absent don't discipline. It's just a lot easier to sit on the couch and watch TV. But parents who love their kids will discipline them because they see the value that it brings in raising a responsible adult. Hebrews 12 goes on and says this, It says, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. In other words, don't expect your kids to ever come to you and say, thank you. Thank you for that consequence. 20 years from now, I'm going to be a better person for it. That's not going to happen. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. But afterward, there will be a quiet harvest. Your kids may not even mention it. They may not even notice it. But there will be a quiet harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Parenting expert Kevin Lehman affirms this. Lehman believes that parents fall into one of two extremes when it comes to disciplining their kids. The first extreme, he says, is the domineering parent. The domineering parent, he describes them this way. Lehman says, many parents don't act in authority. They act as dictators, Hey, you're going to do what I tell you as long as you live under my roof and you get that look off your face or I'll change it for you. (laughs) Lehman says that the other extreme is the permissive parent. These parents communicate this. I want to meet your every need. I want to make sure you are happy, happy, happy. No matter what the child asks for, they get it. A grotesquely violent video game? No problem. A rap album with lewd lyrics, absolutely. Clothes that reveal half of their daughter's body, sure. After all, it's just a phase. And then catch this last line. Lehman says, both extremes produce rebellion. So which one of those two extremes do you tip towards? I'm guessing that most of us aren't on one end of the spectrum or the other, but we all tend to tip towards one of those. Instead, Ephesians 6 says this, it says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. There's that word again, discipline. But notice that it says, fathers, mothers, do not provoke your children to anger. What provokes your child to anger? I'll tell you, constant sarcasm will do it. Put downs, making fun of them in front of their friends. A dictator like authority that lacks any kind of tenderness or disciplining out of anger or control, those will all do it. In fact, let me give you some practical steps on how you can discipline in love. Just think of these as a checklist when you feel your blood pressure rising. And every parent's been there. You have that moment where you're like, oh, you can just feel it happening in you. Here's your checklist take a step back instead of forward. Might want to go in the other room, take a deep breath, cool down for a second, sit down next to your child instead of towering over them. But whatever it is, just think take a step back instead of a step forward. Next, have a phrase. What I mean is have a statement or a prayer that you pray whenever you're in a disciplining kind of situation. Could be a prayer like, Lord, give me wisdom. Could be a statement like I love this child may not feel like it right now, but I'm just going to say it to myself, I love this child. I used to say the phrase to myself, Jesus has entrusted me to show my son what he is like. That always helped me because Jesus doesn't scream his head off at me every time I sin. He doesn't constantly berate me. The Bible says that he's slow to anger and full of unfailing love. But whatever it is, have a phrase that will pull you out of anger mode And then finally, ask yourself, what does my child need right now? Sometimes they're just tired and they need a nap or they need to go to bed. Sometimes they're just embarrassed about something and so they're acting out because of that. But when you ask this question, it allows you to empathize with your kid and it allows you to see discipline as an opportunity to correct poor behavior. Now, you might be looking at that list, and you might be thinking, that's kind of lofty. I mean, I'm not sure anyone could actually do that. And to a certain extent, I agree with you. For example, there are certain things that just set me off as a parent. One of them is when one of my kids physically hurts their brother or their sister, I just see red when that happens. And so I would love to tell you that in those moments, I take a step back And I think, Jesus has entrusted me to show my son. No, no, I'm yelling in that moment, most likely, okay? So this is not perfect. But effective discipline is discipline that is done in love. Third way to effectively discipline kids is this. Instruct them in what you want them to do, not just what you don't. A lot of parents and grandparents major in, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. What do you want them to do? Ephesians 6, again, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. God doesn't just want our kids to know what they shouldn't do, discipline. He wants them to know what they should do, instruction as well. Your son or daughter needs instruction when it comes to, how do I resist temptation. How can I remain pure as a teenager living in today's world? How can I date in a way that honors God? At what age should I start dating? And a host of other issues. My son was at a friend's house a while back, and one of his friends wanted to play a video game that was rated M for mature, for violence and for language. And my son said, no, I'm I'm not allowed to play those games. And as a parent, you would love to tell your kid, You do what's right, and other kids are going to respect you for it. And there's some truth to that. But let's not sugarcoat it. In my son's case, this friend said to him, that's pathetic. Are you serious? You are so pathetic. Now, there were two things that encouraged me about this story. The first one was that my son wasn't that bothered about being called pathetic. He had enough confidence to handle that. But secondly, what encouraged me was I've never talked to my son about this particular game. It's never come up. I've never said to him, here are the games you can play, here are the games you can't. I've never given him a list, here are the yes games, here are the no games. We've never done that. I've never even played this particular video game myself. And so I'm not certain that it's a game I wouldn't want him to play. But what my wife Sarah and I have tried to do is we have tried to instruct on how do you make wise choices when it comes to media? How do you make wise choices when it comes to what you expose your mind to? Some researchers are now saying that the average age of exposure to pornography is eight years old. Eight years old. In fact, the largest demographic for viewing online pornography is between the ages of 12 and 17. Now you might hear that and you might think, I don't think that's that big of a deal. I remember finding my dad's stash of magazines when I was a kid. I mean, it's just sort of a rite of passage. I would strongly disagree with you. Did you know that most men who are addicted to pornography today say that they became addicted around the age of 14? And did you know that a recent study found that the Internet played a role in two out of every three divorces? In other words, the decisions that our kids are making today with what they're going to take in with their mind, are going to shape their life tomorrow. Proverbs 4.23 says this, Above all else, guard your heart, for it affects everything you do. Parents, think about that verse as you raise your kids. Above all else, above sports, above grades, above scholarships and friendships, above everything else that you do as a parent. Guard your child's heart because it's going to affect everything else that they do. When I tuck my kids in at night, sometimes I will ask them, how's your heart? And when they were little, they didn't get it, so they'd go, I don't know, it seems like it's beating. I think I'm all right, Dad. <laughs> but then I would explain, no, I, I mean, are you angry about anything? Are you afraid of anything? Has anything been bothering you lately? And most nights, nothing had, and so we would just snuggle and talk. But there were some nights when they were bothered and they were afraid or angry, and those led to the best conversations. How is your son or daughter's heart these days? How is your grandson or your granddaughter's heart? Have you asked them? Here would be a great exercise for every parent to sit down and think through what is one issue in my son or daughter's life where they need some instruction. They need instruction on how to tell the truth and not lie, even when you feel like you're backed into a corner. Or they need some instruction on how to make curfew on time or what kind of person they should look to date. And then set up a consequence in advance for what will happen if they violate that instruction. That way you're not trying to think of something on the spot. If you are a kid or a student listening to this message, you would freak your parents out this week. Freak them out in a good kind of way if you said, thank you. If you just told your mom or dad, here is what I love about you as my parent, you would freak your parents out. Because I know you think your parents are too strict. Everybody thinks that. And I know that you think your parents don't get it, and you're probably right about that one. (laughs) But... Your parents love you. And they discipline you because they want the very best for your life. Hebrews chapter 12 again. It says this, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's just not. But afterwards there will be a quiet harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Every parent wants that. We want it so much, in fact, that sometimes we try to control every situation that our kids are in. And that's impossible. Mom or dad, you are not always going to be there. Your son, your daughter is going to be at a party someday. It's going to happen. And they are going to be pressured to smoke, sniff, ingest, or drink something. And you are not going to be there to tell them no. They are going to be asked to look at pornography. And you're not going to be there to try and tell them how harmful that's going to be later in life. They are going to be pressured to have sex to cheat, steal, lie, gossip, bully other kids, and you will not be there to say no. But if you discipline, and if you instruct, hopefully they will know what to do even when you're not there. You know, the more and more I parent, the more and more I realize how dependent I am on God. James 1.5 says this, I love this. If you need wisdom, ask God. What a great verse for every parent here. There are some parents here who you have a teenager or a young adult and you are losing touch with them. They're making bad choices. They're straying from God. And you just lie awake at night praying they get home safely. And as a parent, you just wonder, Am I, should I press in? Should I pull back? I just don't know what to do. If you need wisdom ask God. There are some parents here who have little kids, younger kids, and there's something about your son or your daughter that just worries you. I don't know what it is, but there's just something that worries you. Or there's one situation that you just keep running into over and over again. And as a parent, you go, what am I doing wrong? Why do we still have to keep going through with this? If you need wisdom, ask God. For this message, I read or reread about six books on parenting, and some of them flat out contradicted one another. And I thought, these are the experts. If they can't figure this out, what hope do I have? But then I realized, even if the perfect parenting book existed, there would still be times when moms and dads would be at a complete loss as to how to counsel their kids. I think that's a good thing. I think there is nothing like parenting that makes you dependent upon God. So ask God this week. Ask God to intervene in the life of your son or your daughter. Ask God to guard their heart. Ask God to change their heart and to save them if they're not following Christ right now. Ask God to give them wisdom and strength for that situation at school that they don't know what to do about. And ask God to give you wisdom for that situation at home that you don't know what to do about. In fact, let's do that right now as a church. Would you stand with me at all of our campuses? I'm going to hand it off to our campus pastors at this time. And here at Lionel Lakes, let's close and let's pray for every child, every student that is somehow represented in this room. God, I pray for the parents here who have a teenager or a young adult and, God, they just feel so hopeless right now. And they just watch their son or their daughter making poor choices and they just don't know what to do. God, I pray that you would give them comfort. I pray that you would give them encouragement. I pray, God, that you would give them hope that you are a God who changes people's lives. And God, I pray for their son or their daughter right now that they would begin in small steps to come home to you and come back to following after you with their life. And God, I pray for those parents here who have younger kids and there's just something that these parents just keep running up against and they just are worried, where is this going to lead my son or my daughter 10, 20 years from now? And why, what am I doing wrong as a parent? Why do we keep struggling with this? God, I pray that you would give them wisdom. I pray that you would give them strength. I pray that you would give them energy, God. Parenting can be so weary and so tiring at times, but I pray that you would lift them up and help them see what a wonderful responsibility it is to raise our kids. And God, I pray for every child and every student represented in this room. God, no discipline is enjoyable at the time, but hopefully there will be a quiet harvest in their life down the road and that they would grow to love you and to follow you and to be a responsible man or woman of God. pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, before you take off, if you prayed that prayer last week with Bob and you put your faith in Christ for the first time, stop off at the resource table. We've got a free Bible for you and some things we want to give to you for free. Otherwise, have a great morning, everybody.